Good morning, Harvest. Good to see you all. Please turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4. The last time I preached, we had a look at Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3, so we're continuing with the same progression and theme. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4, and we're going to take it through verse 13. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts, as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children, for what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respect them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. So two weeks ago, we reflected on the fact that the Christian life is like a long-distance marathon race. And I think it's very significant that the Greek word for marathon or athletic context, contest is agon. And you probably recognize it because it's the word from which we get the, get the English agony. And what we've been learning is that life is not easy, it's not hard. It is a ma- it's, not, it's not easy, it is hard. <laughs> it's a marathon race. Got that a little bit twisted up. And one of the dangers for us as wealthy people is that we end up believing that by and large, life is meant to be easy and things are meant to run smoothly. So we, we have this belief, and it's a, it's a sort of a default setting that we have. We believe that certainly, if not all of the time, most of the time, things should run well, and that hardship and struggles should be the exception rather than the rule. And this is not the truth. This is definitely not the truth. The vast percentage of people who live in the world today and throughout the course of history know it not to be true that life is meant to be easy. This is not the default setting. Life is hard, and it's definitely the other, other way around. We, we, we don't have long periods where things go well, punctuated by the occasional hardship. And this is particularly true if we are living as foreigners and aliens on this earth, following Jesus Christ, following the kind of life that he lived. And if we live by faith in the promises of God, it's going to end up as a war of attrition. It's going to wear us out. 
And the life of a hidden hero is a marathon. And to be honest, I wonder whether we are still in the race. A lot of the time, I think we withdraw from the race and we start to idle in a sense. And we're not running as hard as we should. And of course, there's a danger that we might ultimately pull out of the race altogether. You see, if you believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him, you're going to be seeking him with all of your heart and you're going to be obeying him in the same way. But the result, the result of following Christ in this way is that we end up with a life like Christ's life. And what characterized Christ's life? It was hardship and pain and suffering. And the reality is that nobody really wants that. And so we withdraw ever so gradually from the race because it's too hard. Uh, yes, we still call ourselves Christian and we attend church and we don't use swear words, we don't get drunk, we don't cheat, we don't um, cheat on our spouses. Um, but are we earnestly seeking God? every day is belief in God and his promises driving our actions and steering our decisions in other words are we still in the race it's an important question we need to ask ourselves and I hope so I hope we are in the race today because if we aren't for God's sake we need to start running again we need to get back into the race and that was the whole point of last the, the sermon that I preached two weeks ago, um, Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3, is do not grow weary and lose heart. Instead, run the race as you were encouraged to. And we had a look two, week, uh, two weeks ago how we are to run that race. Remember we said that we do it by throwing off, by persevering, and by fixing. We throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And then we persevere. It's about endurance. And we fix our eyes on Jesus. Remember I said that that is an activity of the mind where we meditate on the example of Jesus and seek to follow his example. We reflect on the fact that he is the author and the perfecter of our faith. In other words, he's run the race before us. We reflect on the different ways in which he ran the race. We fix our eyes on Jesus. And now today, what we're going to do is we're going to learn um, how to keep ourselves in the race by viewing hardship as discipline. Now, I know that when I mention the word discipline, a lot of us will tend to think of the wooden spoon or the cane. We think of punishment when we think of discipline. But I'm talking about it in a much broader sense where discipline is about training, it's about encouraging, it's about exhorting, um, it's about coaching. That's the sense that I'd like us to think about it today. And so what I've done is I've divided the sermon up into three parts. First of all, reflection, a reflection on discipline. Then the response to discipline, how should we respond to it? Um, and then the reason or the result of discipline. If we can respond in a certain way, then we will benefit, we will harvest the results of discipline and we'll have a look at what those are. So a reflection on discipline, the response, and then the reason. First of all, a reflection on discipline. If you look at today's passage, 
Uh, now remember that the, the author is writing to Jewish Christians who would have known the Old Testament. So he, he goes straight away to some, an ancient word of encouragement which comes from Proverbs 3 verses 11 to 12. Um, and you can see it quoted there in verses 5 and 6. As we face hardship, and remember it's as we face it, not when or if, we are to encourage ourselves by seeing the hardship for what it really is. It's discipline. Don't allow hardship to trigger faint-heartedness, but rather to stir up courage. But how on earth do we do that? We do it by reminding ourselves that since we are God's children, and since He loves us, He will certainly discipline us. He's going to train us. He is obliged to do it as a father. And the way that He disciplines us is through hardship. And so when my kids were growing up, Gail and I would introduce some structured hardship and suffering in their lives. <laughs> you can imagine what that was like. But we did it in order to help them to develop struggle muscles. Because you're not going to be able to withstand the struggles of life if you don't have those struggle muscles. And it would have been unloving of us not to help them to develop those struggle muscles in their lives. And we also made an effort to, to try and weed out any sort of sin or bad habit that we could see in their lives because we knew that that was not going to equip them for life. And the thing was that we did that with a much greater intensity for Catherine and Matthew than we did for anyone else's children. Why? The other children weren't primarily our responsibility. We are, are, were Catherine and Matthew's parents, well we still are, incidentally. <laughs> and so we didn't do it for other people, because they weren't our children. And folks, love for a child in certain circumstances must be confrontational, it must be uncompromising, and sometimes it must be hard. If I love my child, I'm going to confront the fact that maybe he said a lie. If I love my daughter, I'm not going to accept the fact that she's stealing things. And I'm certainly not going to allow any sort of rebellion because any sort of rebellion is against authority is going to be carried forward into life. And we all know that life is extremely tough on people who are rebellious. A lot of them end up in prison. And so when we feel like falling out of the race because of hardship, we need to reflect on discipline. We need to remind ourselves that the Lord is training us through it. He intends it for our good. We need to encourage ourselves because the hardship and the discipline it brings is evidence of the fact that we are not orphans or we're not illegitimate and we're not certainly not abandoned children in the world. We are rather sons and daughters of God. Can you see the paradigm that we need to start thinking about? Um, the story, in a sense, that we need to tell ourselves when, when hardship comes our way, instead of saying, this shouldn't be happening, or why is this happening, the story we should be telling ourselves is, well, okay, here comes the hardship. Hardship is about training. It's, it's showing that God is my Father. It's showing that I'm a child of His who's loved by Him. And when we do that, when we reflect on discipline in that way, it changes our whole attitude to it. Let's move on now to the response to discipline. 
And for this section, I'm just going to consider two do nots and then three words that begin with S, just so that you've got a little bit of a roadmap there. First of all, the do nots. Do not, uh, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Can you see it there? My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Now that Greek word, which is translated make light of, means to treat as insignificant or of little value. Now the, the truth is that we do not value hardship. I don't know about you, but when I see hardship coming on the, on the horizon, I just want to run a mile. We don't value hardship. But what the writer here is saying is that we should. He's saying, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Rather than embracing as something of value, we tend to fight against it, we tend to rail against it, but it is good for us. Do not make light of the Lord's discipline. In other words, value it. And then number two, do not lose heart. I've just said that my tendency is to avoid hardship as much as I can. A lot of the time, the decisions I'm making are shaped by a desire to avoid hardship. Um, maybe that's the same for you as well. So when it becomes unavoidable, I soon start to lose heart and feel a little bit depressed. In 2012, I developed a chronic sinus infection which lasted for an entire year. Can you just imagine what it's like to have blocked up sinuses and a runny nose, headaches for an entire year? And it took two operations to sort it out. The first operation was a failure, so we had to wait for um, six months before we could have the second one. And the operation was just, it was horrible. They did stuff up here. When you woke up, you, you, you had sort of like packing up your nose. Um, yeah, and it was awful. And then when they pulled it out, it just seemed to keep coming. It almost felt as if they were pulling your brains right out through your nose. <laughs> um, but I just battled with depression during that time. And you know, it wasn't surprising, and I'll tell you why it wasn't surprising. If your subconscious goal is to avoid suffering and hardship, because you believe that life generally should be easy, then you're gonna end up getting depressed. Can you see the progression? I have this deep-seated belief that life should be easy. As a result, I, try, I set a goal of trying to avoid hardship and difficulty, and that becomes a goal that I can't attain. And as soon as we have an unreachable goal in our lives, it, gives results, it results in discouragement and depression. And so I was battling, really battling. But in contrast, rather than doing that, rather than losing heart, we should accept that life is hard and that our hardship comes bearing a gift from the Lord. Do you know what that gift is? It's the gift of discipline. And if you abandon the race, then you won't receive that gift. Just have a look there at verse seven. You know what it says there literally in the Greek? It says, it is for discipline that you endure. In other words, if you do not endure, then you will fail to receive the gift of discipline from God. And that's because discipline is a vehicle for such good things in our lives. And that's why we need to persevere. So. Don't make light. This speaks about the fact that we should actually value hardship. Second of all, do not lose heart 
or give up. Um, And this speaks to the need to endure if we want to experience or receive the benefits of the discipline. And now the three S's. First of all, submit. Look at verse 9. Moreover, moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? What does it mean to submit to God? It means to accept his authority and his will. Why do we do this? Well, we recognize that there is value in submitting to an earthly father who loves us. So how much more so would there be value in submitting to our heavenly father as he trains us and disciplines us? After all, he is our father who is in heaven. He is the father of our spirits. He's the one who's going to continue to be our father going forward into eternity. I wonder if you believe that God is in charge of all things, including the circumstances of your life. Do you believe that he uses hardship to train you and to perfect you? We need to change our beliefs. Then we won't turn away from God in anger and in despair when we face hardship in our lives. So don't make light of hardship, value it. Don't lose heart and withdraw from the race. Submit, accept his authority and will in the hardship without turning away in anger or despair. And now strengthen. Look at verse 12. It says there, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Now this is a command in the Greek. And it, it's, it's based on an inference. Do you see that it says there in verse Where are we? In verse 12, it says, Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. What's the basis for that inference, that conclusion? It's that after it, uh, verse 11, after we've been trained by discipline, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So if you want the peaceful fruit of righteousness, therefore, strengthen the the hands and the arms and the legs that are weak. Now this is a command, not to us as individuals, it's actually a corporate command. This is a command to the body of Christ. And so what it's saying is that we are to nurture a community at Harvest Church where people can be strengthened. We need to create a culture of strengthening here at Harvest. Because if we do that, then a person's joints and bones and muscles when they're hurting and weakened by the race, they won't end up being disabled and fall out of the race. But rather they'll be healed and they'll keep going. That's why we create this culture of strengthening here at Harvest. We encourage one another. We pray for one another. We support one another. When someone's going through a crisis, we organize meals. And as the writer commands, This comes earlier on in the letter in in chapter 10, verses 24 to 25. He says, let us consider, think about it, let's work it out. Let us consider how we can spur one another on toward love and good deed. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Referring to the day of of Christ's return. Don't, don't, Don't give up meeting together. We need to spend time together. 
whether it's corporately here as the entire church or in small groups, strengthening one another. So submit, strengthen, and then lastly, straighten. Now, just as it was for strengthen, that strengthening was a command to the body of Christ. The straightening is also a command to the body of Christ. And it has to do with making sure that your individual choices do not compromise the strength of the body. So if I choose to be unholy and to do things that are wrong, this is not only going to affect me and my family, it's going to affect the entire body of Christ. And you'll see that if you look at verses 14 and 16 after today's passage, it's a call to holiness. It's a call to righteous living because my decisions can cause weaken other people in the body of Christ so that they are not running a straight course. And so that's why we straighten ourselves. So that brings us now to the end of the response to discipline. Do not make light, value hardship, strange as it may sound. Do not lose heart, just keep running the race because if you don't give up, then you will reap the benefits of the discipline and the hardship. Submit, strengthen, and straighten. Sounds like hard work, doesn't it? Well, it is. <laughs> it is hard work. However, there are such amazing results from discipline of the Lord. Let's have a look at the result of discipline. First of all, holiness. Do you look, look there in verse 10? It says, in order that we may share in his holiness. For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but he, God, disciplines us for our good so that we may share in his holiness. During my time as an engineer, we built lots of dams around Zimbabwe. Now, if you want to build a stable dam, you've got to get down onto a foundation that is stable and a foundation which isn't going to leak. And so in many cases, we had to dig down as much as half as the height of the dam below ground in order to get down into a good foundation. So many times I would be walking in a core trench and I could look up to the lip of the trench and it would be as high as the ceiling here, sometimes even higher. Um, and most of the, the work was done below the foundations. It would often take more time getting the foundation sorted out than it would building above ground. And then, even if the foundation was solid rock, we'd still have to treat it using a process called grouting. I always love the sound of that word, grouting. It's just got a bit of a ring to it. Um, so what, what this is all about is that even when a rock looks solid, it's often got little cracks and fissures inside of it, which water's gonna find its way through, especially when it's under pressure. Um, and then the foundation is going to be under that same sort of pressure, isn't it, with 10 to 20 meters of water sitting on top of it. So what we would do is we would drill into the rock and then we would pump a sort of a cement soup into the rock using pressures that were similar to the pressure that the water would exert when the dam was full. And you'd be amazed how much cement soup you could actually pump into what seemed like solid rock. Bags and bags of cement we'd be mixing, going into each hole. There'd be a long line of holes, and we'd pump it into that. Um, and it was only when that high pressure was exerted 
that the cracks and fissures were exposed and filled up. And so I told you about that year of having sinus infections, then life returned to normal. You can see that I had this belief that life should be normal without hardship. Life returned to normal, um, but it wasn't normal because a few months later we heard that Gail had cancer. We went into that six-month period of chemotherapy. And I can tell you that during that time of pressure, God revealed cracks and fissures in my character, in my makeup that needed to be addressed. And in a sense, that period of time granted up some stuff, if you like, in my heart that needed to be dealt with. And I'm so grateful that God did it. And I know that my family is grateful that God did it as well because I'm a different person today than I was then. And, and it's, it continues to be the case in our lives. So training and discipline bring holiness. You know, God wants to change us into the kind of people that honor and glorify him. But there's another reason why he disciplines us, and it has to do with peace. Have a look there in verse 11. Peace is the antidote to trouble. We need to get, to get this today. You can go through almost any circumstances, but if you have peace in your mind and your heart, you'll be okay. Because peace is the antidote to trouble. If you go and look at John 16 verse 33, Look at what Jesus says there, and there's part of it that we all know. It says, in this world you will have trouble, but we often miss the start of that verse where it says, in me you will have peace, but in this world you will have trouble. You see, if you have that genuine God-given peace in your heart, you can endure just about anything. And peace is a commodity that is beyond Value. Just think of your life. Think of the times when you have lacked peace. Terrible times, aren't they? And think of the times when you have enjoyed peace. You can be going through terrible circumstances, but because you've got that peace and that certainty in your heart, everything is okay. But we're not going to get it. We're not going to get that peace, that treasure that God wants to give us through the hardship if we don't keep going and we don't persevere. And so holiness and peace, those are the results of discipline. And then we'll close with a result which I believe isn't obvious without a little bit of digging. So remember, I said earlier that this letter of Hebrews was written to Jews who would have been very well versed in the Old Testament. And they would have recognized in an instant that verse 12, if you just have a look at it there, is a quote from Isaiah 35, verse 3. I'm just going to read to you now from, from this chapter. And you'll be able to see what I'm getting at. So, Isaiah 35, verse 3. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Now listen to this. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. So obviously the people of Israel were in dire straits at that time. People were being tempted to give up. They were in exile. And here comes this prophecy from Isaiah 
saying, strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear, your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come and save you. And so if we will persevere, and if we will encourage one another to persevere, ultimately God will rescue us. He'll save us. He'll deliver us through our hardship and our trouble. And he will deliver us through the ultimate hardship and trouble of life and take us to be with him with eternity, for eternity in heaven. Just in conclusion, folks, I, I've been sensing from the Lord um, quite, a, quite a deep concern that it's so easy for us to withdraw from the race and just to idle in our Christian faith. And I've been very challenged myself personally. How much of uh, what appears to be my Christian faith is simply the trappings of being a pastor or for you being a member of Harvest Church? As I said earlier, it can seem like we're running the race, but are we earnestly seeking God every day of our lives? And I believe that in the weeks ahead, living as we do in such a difficult place, in a place where there is so much hardship. I believe that this can be a way to bring us back into the race as we start to tell ourselves the correct story about hardship, that this is coming to do all of these things that we've talked about. Start to earnestly seek God in the day-to-day -day of your life and it'll bring you back into running the race because as you seek God, he will speak to you. He'll challenge you about things. He'll challenge you to do things that'll take you out of your comfort zone. And uh, it, it, you, you will show yourself to be his sons and daughters. Because if we are following Christ, we would expect to have a similar life to his. And his life was a life of sacrifice. It wasn't a life, a life of comfort and ease. And so I'm just, I'm very excited about what God is gonna do through us. I think it's wonderful that we live in a place like Zimbabwe where our false beliefs can be exposed so easily. <laughs> Life is not meant to be easy. And it's gonna be even harder if we seek to live in a way that honors and glorifies God. But of course, there is a reward waiting for us, isn't there? What did, what did um, the writer to Hebrews said? Those who come to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And most of that reward, folks, is gonna be in heaven. And that's where we want it to be because if, if it's a reward on earth, it's gonna be temporal. But if it's a reward in heaven, it's gonna be there forever. And uh, we look forward to it with great expectation. So keep running the race. Let's create... Um, a culture here of strengthening, of encouraging one another so that we keep running the race and we are obedient to extend this kingdom. Remember how Jesus told us to pray? He said we need to pray, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Our job on a daily basis is to bring God's kingdom onto earth as it is in heaven. And it's gonna be hard, but it's gonna be a wonderful race that we run. Shall we pray? Father God, I, I would just like to pray for those this morning who maybe are just saying, Lord, I, I didn't need to hear that message. I didn't want to hear that message. Life is already too hard. I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to hear um, about hardship. I don't want to hear about what you've called me to. 
Um, and it's, it's a real place. I've been there. I, I just sometimes have listened to, to messages and sermons and just thought, this is too much. But you know it isn't. When you feel weak, that is when you're in the place of greatest strength. Because the Bible tells us that God's strength is perfected in weakness. And if you want to turn your position of weakness into strength, start eagerly seeking God. Just start looking to him to provide what you need to keep going and keep running the race. Because he will provide it. He is no man's debtor. His grace is abundant and it overflows in our lives. So if that's, if that's you, just encourage you, put your faith and your trust in God. It's going to please him immensely. And you'll be storing up riches for yourself in heaven when you can enjoy them forever. Please don't take this word lightly. Um, go away, consider it, go back and, and read the passage. Make sure that you're in the race. Make sure that you're running the race. Um, and let's just keep going together. Um, I'm just looking forward to seeing what God is going to do in us and through us here in Zimbabwe. And we pray all of these things in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.